Today's show is brought to you by the Nutritional Therapy Association. The NTA trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and consultants with a nutritional foundation that emphasizes the body's innate intelligence and bio-individuality because they know that a one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition does not exist. The NTA curriculum focuses on the importance of properly prepared, nutrient-dense whole foods paired with a well-balanced lifestyle. Sound familiar? I love this program so much. Throughout their program, students learn a wide range of educational tools and techniques to identify and correct nutritional imbalances and deficiencies, and students graduate with the education and skills needed to launch a successful career in holistic nutrition. May enrollment for the NTA's Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program, or their fully online Nutritional Therapy Consultant Program, is currently open through April 26th. You can head to www.nutritionaltherapy.com to get more info. The NTA's annual conference, Roots, is also happening March 1st through the 3rd in Portland, Oregon. I've attended in the past and can honestly say that it was one of the most educational and inspirational nutrition conferences I have ever been to. No joke. You can go to the nutritionaltherapyconference.com to register. You do not have to be an NTP to go. All are welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Joy Garcia. And today we are going to dive into some geeky nutrition science. Are you ready for this? Are you holding on to your seats or are you on the edge of your seat holding on to it? <laughs> Not I'm quite sure which analogy to use in this instance because I'm sitting on the floor in my guest room at my house because this is where I record podcasts for some reason. It's because it's the only door now that we have a little baby that. I can really hide behind that's far enough away from her where I'm not going to wake her up with my exuberant jitter chatter. Okay, so I'm excited about today's episode because it really, it plays the heartstrings of my, the deepest part of my nutritionist soul. You know, when I first started Fed and Fit the blog, I shared, well, actually when I very first started Fed and Fit, I had, I mean, I, I still feel have days where I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, but when I very, very first started, um, my original concept was I was going to share a dinner recipe. Every single post that I would post would include an entire dinner menu. I would do, I think I started off with a 4th of July burger, burger spread, and I was going to do the burger recipes and the toppings and the sides and the dessert and even a drink. And I did that one time and then I never did it again because I was sharing four or five recipes in a single post. And then uh, and then it evolved and the, the 2.0 version of my vision for my Fed and Fit, the blog, if you're wondering, we're probably on vision 27.0 at this point. Just, you know, keep getting better and better and improving and staying vigilant and humble and coachable. Uh, but 2.0 version was I wanted to share a recipe and I, st- we still do this from time to time, but we wanted to share a recipe that I was just myself at the time. I would write a recipe and then I would use it as an opportunity to showcase some really powerful healing foods that were included in that recipe. So for example, think about uh, meatballs that contain pastured chicken livers in there, right? Just sneaking power foods in foods. And then and then explaining in the post why they are such powerful, wonderful foods. Um, I remember writing articles about 
gosh, pumpkin seeds, the wonders of a pumpkin seed, the wonders of fresh ginger, the wonders of kale, which we've talked about extensively. Uh, You know, all these wonderful fun facts. And I just find those endlessly interesting and entertaining. So today we're really going to give you a compilation of some of the most healing foods, some fun facts about them. And this is really meant to be a, you know what, just stick this in your back pocket. I'm not saying that you need to be eating these things all day, every day, but I think it's good to just give you a brief overview. We're going to talk, we're going to zero in on six different kinds of really healing food categories. And it may not, it's not going to be necessarily what you think, um, or it may not be, it might be right in line with what you think I'm going to talk about. But I think that it's just stuff, good stuff to be aware of and to incorporate when you're curious and when you have time. And if you're looking for, you know, a swap, you know, for that afternoon cup of coffee, because you just wanted something warm in a mug, you know, maybe swap in a mug of bone broth, which we'll talk about in a second. So this is really what this is meant to be is, um, just a, a nice dose of, if you're looking for a way to optimize nutrition further and heal further and, you know, enjoy some really tasty things while you're, while, while you are doing that, this, this is a good short list to reference. Alrighty. So let's get into it. Number one, I already mentioned it. We're going to chat in most healing foods. We're going to talk about bone broth. You will also see this listed as, oh gosh, what do they have it? all over the place. I mean, there's stock, which is really meant more for cooking. That's where you are going to really infuse other vegetables and leftover type, you know, veggies, rinds, um, peels into some sort of a brothy type substance. Um, bone broth is really where you're putting in. I'm, I'm imagining I have a freezer full of bone broth bones. I buy them from U.S. Wellness Meats, and they are grass-fed or pastured, depending on what kind of animal, and I have these stew bones or these bone broth bones, and what I do is I stick them in my instant pot or my, my pressure cooker, or you could do use put them in the slow cooker, or heck, you could even put them right on the stovetop in a nice big, uh, one of those big stock pots. And you really, you add a bunch of water, you add a little bit of apple cider vinegar to help pull out some of the nutrients from the bones. You can add some bay leaves, whatever floats your boat, maybe a little garlic, whatever kind of little flavor you want. And you can cook with this stuff, or if you really want to just make sure you're incorporating it daily, I encourage you to think about drinking it as, you know, just like I said, that instead of that afternoon hot cup of coffee, have a cup of bone broth. And Really what the whole purpose of drinking bone broth is to get in some really wonderful minerals and to get in some readily available collagen peptides in addition to other healing compounds, thinking glutamine, glycine, proline, the collagen and bone broth can really help heal. Um, and, and the other nutrients in bone broth can really help heal your gut and can help reduce inflammation. So if you, for example, when do I incorporate bone broth? Yes, I would love it if I had a hot mug of fresh bone broth every afternoon. One day, maybe if, you know, I don't know. I always say one day, maybe I'll, I'll get my act together and I'll be able to make those things more regularly. But you know, that's such as the carrot on the end of the stick. I think that this is one of those things that if I get home from a big weekend out or a very indulgent, you know, night out date or week or vacation or whatever it is, that is the time that I like to incorporate bone broth when I'm feeling a little like my stomach 
feels bloated and I knew that I know that I just ate a bunch of foods. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's too much sugar, maybe I had wheat gluten when I normally definitely would not. And I know that my gut, and maybe because of stress and lack of sleep and lack of hydration, I've probably done a little bit of damage to my gut. I know that I want to get in and swoop in and heal that as quickly as possible. And bone broth is the way to do that. So I will take those stock bones, those broth bones out of my freezer, stick them in my Instant Pot, just like I described, and cook it up. Really, really good bone broth will actually gel when it's refrigerated. And that's when you know you have a really good array uh, and good concentration of those proteins that I just uh, rattled off. So that's one thing to consider. You can absolutely buy bone broth these days in the store. And I there's best is always going to be making it from home. It's going to be cheaper if you make it from home. It's going to be better quality. You're probably more likely to have that nice gel when you're making it from home. But there are some options that you can try. Bonafide broth, uh, Bonafide Provisions is really great. Um, gosh, there's all kinds of them out there. Epic, I believe, makes some really good broth. So go ahead and, and experiment, see what's out there that you like. Next most healing food we're going to chat about is collagen. It's one of my favorites. So very similar benefits to the bone broth. Um, and collagen particularly, it is, it's not a, it is a protein, right? And it comes in a protein powder form, which is how most people usually take it. And I like to add unflavored collagen, just the regular old bovine, grass-fed bovine collagen, right in with my coffee in the morning, mix it in hot coffee. Uh, although it is soluble in cool waters, I prefer it in hot. And as long as you're not pouring it into scalding liquid, like a boiling cup of water or or really, really hot cup of coffee, it actually does not smell beefy, which I know that has really intimidated or turned off some people in the past. Now, if you stick that, I have found that if I pour collagen into my hot coffee and then I stick it in the microwave because I want to heat it back up because I, you know, life with a one-year-old, I probably didn't get to finish my cup of coffee on time. Um, when I stick it back in the microwave and if I overheat it, then it will start to smell a little beefy. So just don't overheat it. But that's a really great one. Um, the benefits of collagen, though it is a protein powder, it's not the kind of protein that your muscles are going to make use of necessarily for building bigger muscles or uh, replenishing and repairing after a workout. It's not that kind of protein. The best kind of protein for that would be either meat, um, you know, looking at some sort of tissue like chicken, beef pork, you name it, um, or some sort of like a whey protein powder would be the one that you want for something like that. Uh, but what collagen does is collagen goes to help with all of the connective tissues. It's all, it's the, it's the inner workings of your body. It's the gut lining. Yes, it is your hair. It's your nails. It's your skin health. All of those things are, are very closely tied and collagen is a really easy thing to incorporate on a daily basis. Okay, next he most healing food, healthy fats. We're so the reason I want to highlight healthy fats and this is this is definitely something that I think everybody can can think about you know, a little bit more closely and this could have a huge impact on somebody's health, but the the reason why healthy fats are so important is because we're trying to reduce inflammation. That's the name of this entire game. And it's not that healthy fats contain these nutrients, these miracle nutrients that are going to help us for one reason or another. It's honestly because if we're if we're using healthier fats, meaning omega-3 rich fats, then it probably means that we are now excluding more omega-6 
concentrated fats from our diet. So when we swap in a really healthy olive oil instead of that vegetable oil that we've been using, it means we will just by making that trade of an omega-3 rich fat acid versus the omega-6 um, rich, uh, rich fat, goodness gracious, I think I might need a that afternoon cup of coffee I was just trying to talk myself out of. <laughs> but when we make that swap, just the fact that we have omitted the vegetable oil, it is already, we're healing ourselves and we're replacing it with a, with one that yes, does have healing properties, but the name of the game is omega, we have too many omega-6s in our diet and that is causing a lot of inflammation and what disease is caused by inflammation. Um, the optimal ratio of omega six to omega three is two to one. I've heard three to one, right? We want, so you will still have more omega sixes than omega ones. It's just by nature. It's how it's going to happen. Omega sixes usually come from seed oils, for example, and omega three acids will come from fish, animal sources. Um, it can be found avocado or excuse me. Yes. Olive oil, things like that. But in the American standard American diet, because vegetable oil, canola oil, um, vegetable oil that's been mixed with olive oil because these kinds of fats are so readily available and inexpensive and we have been told that they are heart healthy. Oh my gosh, I saw an advertisement for corn oil. I've been seeing it all over the place that it's heart healthy and it's the best one out there for you. It makes me want to like throw something at the TV because I just don't want people to buy that. That's marketing. That is not, that's not actually what's going on if you really want a heart healthy oil, then go back to what your grandmother would find on her table. She probably did not have refined corn oil on her table. Because um, the current standard American diet, that omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is somewhere around 20 to 50 to 1, depending on the person. And so this is a huge opportunity to really heal ourselves just by making a swap. So again, so where do we get these healing fats, healthy fats? We're going to go to fatty fishes. Think albacore tuna, wild salmon, herring mussels, anchovies, sardines. Those, of course, can be found in cans, sustainable wild canned options. They're really inexpensive, and it's a really great way to get it in. Today's show is brought to you by Pride of Bristol Bay, where you can get truly sustainable, high-quality, nutritious Alaskan sockeye salmon delivered right to your door. Pride of Bristol Bay's wild salmon is sustainably harvested in the pristine waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. Their focus team of fishermen are committed to the highest quality and handling standards at the point of harvest, creating the unsurpassed quality and flavor you'll find in every one of their wild sockeye fillets and portions. Each case of their wild salmon is labeled with the name of Bristol Bay Fishing District in which the salmon was harvested. It's the ultimate in traceability. Boxes of supremely fresh frozen fillets and portions are of the highest quality salmon, and they're delivered to your door, skin on, and already deboned. It's incredible. It's hands down the best salmon I've ever enjoyed. You can learn more about Pride of Bristol Bay and support their important work by ordering your first box of frozen salmon, visiting their website over at prideofbristolbay.com. That's P-R-I-D-E-O-F. B-R-I-S-T-O-L-B-A-Y.com. Make sure you submit the discount code fed and fit all one word lowercase at checkout for $40 off. Again, that's fed and fit for $40 off. Organic grass-fed 
uh, fatty meats. So if you're going to have a fatty steak, think of a ribeye or something that has a lot of marbling, that's the time to spring for grass-fed because the fat is really going to hold on to a lot of those inflammatory compounds that can come through based on what the cow is eating. So the fattier cuts of meat from a conventionally raised cow that was fed corn, grain, and soy is going to have a higher rate, higher concentration of omega-6 fatty acids versus a truly grass-fed cow that got to you know, just eat green, green grass and roam around and have all the nutrients and bugs and whatnot that actually accidentally made it down. Like that's going to have a higher concentration of healthy omega-3 fatty acid. It's going to have a better profile. Grass-fed animal fats. Um, Again, if you, we talked about budgeting, prioritizing your budget around proteins. I think it was last week or a few weeks ago. And adding into that conversation, even if you can't or are not ready to justify the spending on pastured grass-fed animals or wild or whatever it is for the proteins, spend it on the fat because you really want to invest. This is really high caloric, an opportunity for, in a good way, an opportunity for really getting a lot of wonderful healing micronutrients in your diet. Splurge on the fats. If you're going to splurge anywhere, anywhere on your grocery bill, splurge on the healthy fats. So I'm talking about lard, for example, duck fat. And did you know that if you buy a pastured wild duck, for example, again, this is not an advertisement for them, but U.S. Wellness Meats sells frozen ducks and I've gotten them, I get them a couple times a year because what I can do is I will roast my duck and we have a roasted duck recipe available for you on Fed and Fit, but I will roast my duck and from that duck, I will get anywhere between four and six cups of duck fat. And then that becomes a jar of fat that I get to use for several weeks, if not months. So think about something like that. Of course, you can buy it, but making it, you get to have a lovely duck meal and you get to have the fat left over afterwards. So healthy animal fats. Grass-fed dairy is another another way that you can get a really good fat, healthy fat profile, fresh avocados, and then oil. So these are the kinds that people think of, these are the kind, what people think of when we think fats, right? Fats in the kitchen. We're thinking about those jars of yellowish, uh, amber-toned liquids. So what do we use instead of vegetable oil and canola oil and oils that have been blended with olive oil to give us, again, it's really just marketing people trying to sell you cheaper olive oil that they've just cut with it with something else. Um, we want to use coconut oil would be a really good, healthy, safe one. True olive oil. Cassandrinos is where you, it's my favorite place to get really healthy, reliable olive oil. Avocado oil. There's not a whole lot of research out there on avocado oil because it's pretty new to market, but that is one option from what I've um, learned about it so far. And then really try to avoid those seed oils, those hydrogenated fatty oils, vegetable oils, etc. And then of course you can try, you can go towards true nuts and seeds, but again, those are going to have more omega-6s than omega-3s, which is fine if you're actually chewing on the actual nut and seed, but really try to prioritize fattier fish, fattier, healthy animals, um, and then those animal fats. Okay. Our fourth category that we're going to talk about of healing food are going to be power greens. You might think that I'm going to talk about kale, but I'm not because although the cruciferous vegetables, those big leafy greens are really wonderful and really good for you, 
I really want to zero in on some of these bonus healing foods that we can incorporate. So for the first one would be a sprout and or a microgreen. Microgreens are actually becoming more and more available. I see them in stores all over the place. What is it? It's like a very, very young green, right? A microgreen. I think I recently saw micro cilantro in the store and it's essentially just really baby cilantro and these are just it's a little condensed form nutrient wise micronutrient wise it just has a more condensed package of these really wonderful healing properties and it offers just a really unique opportunity to get certain micronutrients on your plate they can have really wonderful heart, brain, and other detox benefits. So I would think alfalfa, you know, other little microgreens, um, grab those, grab one of those maybe once a week, try a different one, whether it's a box of sprouts or a box of microgreens, and then just sprinkle them on your salad at the end of the day, sprinkle them in your sandwich, sprinkle them in, you know, as a garnish for a casserole that you're putting on the plate. Another power green would be sea greens, kelp, seaweed, dulce, for example. These have really wonderful detox properties. They're iodine-rich, mineral-rich. This is these, especially iodine, it's a it's a nutrient that we are not getting elsewhere in our diet, and it's really important that we have it because a lot of people are not, you know, using iodized salt, for example, anymore. So sea greens is a really great way to grab that. You can use sea snacks. There's these little crunchy, yummy little snacks. My favorite is a lime version. Those are really great just to get in a little bit of that. I also have a dulce soup recipe on the blog. I think it's a slow cooker recipe, and that's a really great way to get in as well. All righty. Probiotic rich foods is the next category we're going to talk about. Of course, I'm sure y'all thought this one was coming. And again, gut health is really linked to overall health. It's between the health of our gut and overall body inflammation, which really determines how healthy we are, how prone we are to disease, so on and so forth. So what are some probiotic-rich foods? We've got kefir, which is kind of like a yogurt drink. If you've walked around and it's over in the dairy aisle, buy the yogurts. I'm sure you can find some there. See what see what's available. I know that Whole Foods, for example, has some really great grass-fed kefir options. So you can try that. Always try to grab one that doesn't have a lot of sugar in it. Yogurt, of course, is a really great option. There are some wonderful yogurts available these days. Again, go for the ones with the least number of ingredients on the label. You want to avoid those that have a whole bunch of sugar. Avoid those that have a whole bunch of food dyes. There is kraut, sauerkraut, for example. Yes, you can make your own of, of almost all of these. All of these you could make your own. I prefer to buy it. Kraut, if you really want it to be alive, a live kraut, then you want to buy it in the refrigerator section. So if you want to get the probiotic benefits of sauerkraut, then you need to make sure you're buying it at the refrigerator section. The kind that you find in the jars on the aisles, that is not that is dead kraut, essentially. It's been cooked to a certain temperature for the canning process and preserved um, so that you're not really getting the micronutrient or the, excuse me, the probiotics that you would if something were alive that you could buy in the refrigerator aisle. And I interviewed the founder of Farmhouse Kraut recently or several episodes back on the Fed and Fit podcast. So I should look that up if you're interested in learning more about the probiotic benefits of fresh sauerkraut. And then lastly, kombucha is another example of a probiotic rich food. Kombucha is, if you're unfamiliar, it is a fermented tea essentially, and it has it is made with usually white tea, maybe sometimes black tea, green tea, a little sugar, a little fruit, and they put the sugar in there, and so that these cultures have something to eat, um, and then they uh, there are 
byproduct is going to be this um, really fun, bubbly, effervescent profile that you get when you open the bottle. I just, there's all kinds of, of flavors of kombucha these days, and it's also very easy to find. How do you incorporate probiotic rich foods in your diet? I think that try a little bit of everything. You know, there are so many different, our, our gut, the way that we really break down food in our body and the way that we actually have nutrients that are available for our body to use, it's because of the little guys living in our intestines. Those are the ones that actually digest. If you really want to get down to it, those little guys really are the first line of defense. They break down the food, they protect us, and they pull out these nutrients that then we can use. And we want to keep replenishing that profile of little, um, gosh, the, all, all the little, I don't want to call them bugs because I don't want to freak you out, but all the little guys in our in our intestines. And a way that we can keep that profile very diverse is by trying probiotic-rich foods across the spectrum. So maybe one week, grab a kombucha from the store. Maybe the next week, grab a, a bag of farmhouse kraut from the refrigerator section. Maybe the next week, grab a kefir and just try that. So just try a little bit of everything. And then lastly, we're going to talk about grass-fed, finished, organic, organ meats. Oh yes, we're talking about awful or is it awful? I never know. So these are this is the heart, the kidneys, the giblets, right? The liver. These are the organ meats that we had that and I really really recommend only having organ meats if you're pulling them from grass-fed, pastured animals. Try, I really encourage, because a lot of these organs filter out the toxins of the animals. We really don't want to be eating a liver from a cow that was fed a very conventional diet of wheat, grains, soy, and corn. We don't want to necessarily, they also maybe had antibiotics and hormones, and some of those residual compounds can be found in these organ meats. And so I really recommend when you do eat these spend the extra money and buy them from a reliable source. I, again, get mine from U.S. Wellness Meats where I get all my weird things. I get my duck from U.S. Wellness Meats. I get my bones for bone broth and I get my organ meats from them. Um, so that's one to definitely definitely splurge on a little bit, even though it's an organ meat, so it's really not that expensive. And how do you incorporate them? Every once in a while, just drop a, drop a chicken liver, a pastured chicken liver into your meatloaf. It mashes up really easily. You're never going to know what's in there. Maybe in your meatballs, maybe in your burgers. Um, I'm not very fluent in eating a lot of the other organ meats because liver is really the the biggest hitting nutrient dense one that you can have. Lots of vitamin A, lots of really, really wonderful things in there. Um, And if you are not up to eating it, if you just don't think you can hack it, you can also try desiccated liver pills. Um, Vital Proteins, for example, makes liver pills there and they're just, they work. It's just one way to get them down. So these are all wonderful ways to really, again, just boost the healing profile of the foods that are showing up on your plate, you know, boost the nutrient profile of a cup of coffee by pouring some collagen in there, swap out the inflammatory, um, just really damaging fats for healthier omega-3 rich ones. Maybe have a cup of bone broth every once in a while. Maybe grab a bottle of kombucha. Sprinkle those microgreens on your salad. These are all ways that you can really help amp up the healing power of what you're putting on your plate and in your cups. And ultimately, it's helping you feel feel better. So I really, really recommend play around with this stuff. Don't feel overwhelmed by it, but have fun, experiment, see what you like, and, and then go back for more. It doesn't have to be this, this rigorous set. It's not all or nothing. There's no bandwagon when it comes to just upping 
the nutrient density profile of your foods. It's some, it's a game that we can play forever. Alrighty. Well, that app wraps it up for today. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find a full transcript over at fedandfit.com and we'll be back again next week.